0: A lot of new faces, welcome, and it's good to have you here. Um, and if, after the service, I'll just say this now, if you have any questions about the church, any anything during the service, whatever, Dave, um, Dave here will be in the back on one of the tables. Please stop and ask any questions you have, um, and he, he can take your information if you want to be on our text and email list. Um, I want to first mention, last week we had a... Um, dinner, a banquet, uh, or a fundraiser. Thank you. We had a fundraiser for the church in India. And um, we raised around $4,800 for their new roof. So let's give it up. Thank you, guys. Thank you for your generosity. So we're going to round that up to 5000 and that will be a blessing to them. So thank you. Um, we have family service. Wednesday nights here at 6.30. We're still going through, uh, we're using a book as our guide, uh, healthy me, healthy us. And so the youth over at the fitness center and the kids uh, are in the back here. So you please come and we have a small group. It's kind of a small group setting a little bit of a message and then we sit and discuss. Um, we have Ladies Connect this Thursday, March 17th at 6.30. Natalie Baker, you want to wave, Natalie, if she's here? She has uh, the Ladies' Fellowship on Saturday, March 12th, from 9 a.m. to noon. Uh, and that's in Alexandria, so you have to touch base to get her, her house address there. Corporate prayer, Sunday mornings at 9.15, um, right off the fellowship hall there. Ladies' prayer, just the ladies, no men are welcome. So, ladies' prayer... In the mornings at 10 a.m. on Thursday, um, so that's all of our announcements. Oh, we'll take take the offering this morning. So, ushers, could you stand? And if you need, if you're giving cash, um, you can get an envelope from one of these handsome men. <laughs> they take tips too. I just want you to know that. <laughs> Anybody got any singles for them? Um, all right, so. We just thank you for your generosity. We are blessed here and it's great to be a part of a an amazing body of people. God is good. He, he supplies all of our needs. So let's pray over our offering and our God's and God's tithes. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to give and that we can you bless us so that we can be a blessing. And so, God, we um, just ask you to open our eyes to any way that we can be a blessing to others around us and anywhere in the world. And we thank you so much for all the gifts that you put in our lives. So, bless this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can pass the buckets. and Welcome Pastor Steve.
1: Amen. God's good. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you. Uh, If you have your Bibles, I ask you to open them to uh, Psalms 119. I've been going through uh, Psalms 119 kind of reading. It's kind of a long chapter. It's 176 verses. I think it's the longest chapter, I'm pretty sure, in the Bible. But um, I've been looking through this here and just looking at some of the things that David said in these these verses. And um, uh, how many know that, um, you know, for the last several months... I've been talking about like salvation and what God has provided for us. And this is really an important point to, to think about because um, it's really the starting point. Uh, you know, salvation, the Bible calls it a gift. Look at your neighbor and say gift. So when you think about a gift, you're talking about something that is not, you know, in a sense, no strings attached, just basically you have to receive it. A gift. And some of the, the most important things about salvation are also called gifts, like righteousness. In Romans 5, it's called the gift of righteousness. It has to be received, but it's a gift. Not earned or deserved. It's grace. Grace is a gift. Faith is a gift. And go, there's a bunch of things that when you talk, eternal life is a gift. a gift. The gift of eternal life. And the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so, and that's really an important starting point because um, if you look at the book of Ephesians, for example, you'll see that there's three words that characterize the book of Ephesians. The first three chapters are characterized by the word sit. And sitting is a position that we have. Um, it's, It's we're seated in heavenly places in Christ it's a place of blessing. It's a place of, of the work is finished, of acceptance, not based on what we do, but based on what he did. And so that's an important, that's a very important word. And Paul devotes three chapters in Ephesians to that, to that thought. If you read the first three chapters of Ephesians, you'll see the word sit over and over again, sit. That means when you sit, basically the work is done, it's accomplished. And, and so the work of Christ is a completed work. You don't have to add to his, uh, add to his completed work. All you got to do is receive it. And so that's what Paul spends three chapters talking about. But then the next word is the next two and a half chapters is the word uh, walk. And he talks about how we ought to walk. In other words, because the work is finished, because we've received this incredible gift of God, because of that, now we're empowered to walk. In other words, live out our Christian life, walk in obedience, do the right thing, personal responsibility. But, but it's based on the fact that we have received as a gift, salvation, righteousness, those things. And so it's like, it's like when you have a child, you know, uh, there's a lot, lot of ladies in the church right now that are, are with child. And uh, so they're going to have a child. And, uh, you know, like we had five kids and some of our kids ended up in the birth canal a long time. And so they come out looking like that uh, uh, Saturday Night Live, uh, what are those coneheads? Cone, yeah, cone heads they, they look like the coneheads because they've been in the birth canal so long. And, and my wife goes, he's beautiful. I just gave it away which one it was now. He's beautiful. And I'm like, um, he's scary. In fact, when they first, I should have watched a video about birth because when they first came out, I they're all cheesy and all I'm just like, and they get they get better looking pretty fast. I mean, it's not like they stay cheesy for a month, but, you know, they get better looking pretty fast. You know, but but my point is, is that we don't go reject you (laughs) next. I mean, the, the parents, the parents are like the parents are like, He's beautiful. There's total acceptance of that baby. Total acceptance. Total love for the next several months. All that baby experiences is nurturing, love, acceptance, celebration over the fact that he's here, uh, even in the middle of the night when he cries and has a demand. But everything is, is a celebration. And that's really what it's like spirit, spiritually. When we, we receive Christ, There should be this celebration over the fact that you got saved. And in God's perspective, all you should receive is nurturing. But how many know this is that after a while, there comes a point where God goes, you know, I've given, I've invested a lot. Now there needs to be some personal responsibility. He expects something from us after a while. And then the third, so the second word in Ephesians is walk, sit, walk. And the last one is only a half a chapter long. It's the word stand, sit, walk, stand. And that talks about our warfare, how we're to stand, having done all the stand, stand therefore. And so those are the three words and they kind of picture spiritual growth and development. And so lately what I've been doing is I've been doing a lot of talk about, I've been doing a lot of talk about sitting basically. In other words, what Jesus has provided for us, what he has done for us, salvation, it's a gift, all those things. This morning, I want to talk about some personal responsibility things. I'm going to shift this to talking about now that we have received these things by grace, by faith. Now it's time for us to take some personal responsibility. I want you to read this verse here, or I'll read it, you listen to it. Psalms 119, verse 109. David says, I always take my life into my own hands, but I never forget your teachings. Another translation says, I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law, and so we hear when we hear that term. I, I I took my life in my hand and I did this. We usually mean that we're taking somewhat of a risk, or we're uh, we're we're taking a chance, or we're taking responsibility for our lives. How many of you know that you know at some point you have to take some responsibility for your life? God empowers you, but you have to take some responsibility. It's not just good enough to say, hey, whatever. It's 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 you know like. Last week I talked about, uh, in Psalms 119, David said, I incline my heart unto thy statutes. I incline. So there's three ways you can live your life. You can either have an inclined heart, or you can decline, saying, in other words, saying no, or you can recline. In other words, go through life just like, hey, whatever. Hey, I'm just chilling. My granddaughter told me she was chilling this week. I go. What were you doing this week? I was just chilling, <laughs> chilling. I don't even know even what that. Are you sure you were chilling all week? But anyway, so, so, yeah, relax. I mean, so, so the idea here is that uh, the idea is that you have a choice to make. God has empowered you; has given you the ability to choose the direction of your life, and and your your life today is a result of your choices. And we don't like to hear that because we, we like to say that, you know, that we're incapable of choices because our mommy didn't love us or didn't treat us 100% right. Or the fourth grade teacher, my fourth grade teacher was mean to me. She didn't like me. I, you wanna hear about my fifth grade teacher? Now, you, now just think about this today. So we we have milk breaks. I don't know if you guys, are, I don't know if they do that still, they have a milk break. They still do that carton of milk. So I had a milk break. So. I was kind of a bratty kid but anyway so I I I took my I drank my milk and so then I went up to the front and you're supposed to throw it back in the steel, the metal grate so I took it and I just threw it like that and it landed perfect swish you know right in the grate and the teacher saw it and said go put it back like you're supposed to so his name was Mr. Pilger I used to call him Mr. Pilgrim he goes Pilger he's I couldn't keep his name straight. I can't keep his name straight even today, but I used to say, Mr. Pilgrim. He goes, I'm, it's Mr. Pilger." I remember that. But anyway, so, so I went back, picked up my carton, and went, and went back, and I got about a foot away and threw it. And he, go, he saw me do it. So you know what he did? Now, let's get this. If you would do this today, think of what would happen to you. He took, he said, now go get five or six mail cartons. And he cut a hole in them with a scissor, and put a string through it and hung it around my neck. And so it was, I had milk, I had milk residue on my shirt. And then every time a class would go by, he would stop the class and say, Hey, look at this guy's necklace. He'd stand me there, I'm here, I stand there. I don't know why I told you that. What? What? For you. Yeah, it scarred me. Yeah, I did. But my point is, is that, you know, nowadays, can you imagine if you did that? But, but my point is, is that I think my point was, is that we have to take responsibility for our decisions. Our life today is a product of what we, we did yesterday. Some people say, well, what my future be like? Well, what are you doing today? What are what are you doing presently today? Because what you're doing presently today will determine your future. The habits you form today will, will, will become the, the tomorrow that you live in, the habits that you form today. So if you have rotten habits today, let me tell you about your future. It ain't good. Because we want God to somehow miraculously, and sometimes He does this, but more often than not, He looks for us to have some responsibility, take some responsibility for our life. You know, it's sort of like planting seeds. Um, when we first moved up here, I, I grew up in the cities all my life. And this is hard for people to believe, but I knew nothing about planting. And somebody goes, what are you, dumb or something? No, I just never, we just didn't plant things. You know, we had concrete and, and you know, we just didn't plant things. And um, and so my wife was raised on a farm. And so she goes, she you know, that was back in the uh, 70s, 80s where, you know, Hugh Gibbons, remember, everything has to be healthy. And then we then Hugh Gibbons died at 50 or something. So then we go, he he obviously didn't know what he's talking about. But anyway, so, but, you know, were, he'd always come on and say, tree bark is good food if you boil it. or You know, he'd say all this crazy stuff. You know, like, Dan, you know, I hate Danny Lions, And now they say Danny Lyons are good. <laughs> I even, you know, don't you want ice? I, I got to get off this point. But don't you want iceberg lettuce? I mean, they send this stuff out, and it's like, what is this? I think I've, I've been using Roundup on this stuff. Now you're serving it to me. Is things tough back there or something? You got to eat iceberg lettuce out there? You know, so now it's dandelions and all kinds of other weeds, you know, that they they throw it in your salad, and they say, here, eat this. It's like, <coughs> but But my point is, is so when we came up here, my wife goes, okay, we got to eat healthier, which that wasn't my idea of uh, uh, whatever. But so we, we decided to plant our own garden. So, so we went out there, dug it all up, rented a tiller and dug the whole garden up and, and then planted it. And I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I, she's just telling me, do this, do that. Well, a month later, we, I think it was a month later, a great time later, we go out there and, <laughs> and I go, what? What? It looks horrible. I mean, no, but we haven't looked at it in a month. Just think of what it's going to look like after a month, right? I mean, it looks terrible. And, and then she goes, oh, we we have to weed it. We have to weed it? I found all about weeds. You don't have to plant weeds. They just grow. And they are persistent buggers. I mean, they are like Superman weeds are. Yes. So, So what happened was, uh, we we go out and then I have to learn to identify what is a weed. I actually preached a sermon: are dandelions, weeds. That's a controversy right there. So, but but my point is is that your your life is like that. Your life is like a garden, and your actions and your words are like seeds. And you can plant crops. You can plant good things, or you can plant weeds. And it's totally up to you. But whatever you plant, and that's the idea here where David said, I took my life in my hands. In other words, I'm responsible for what's gonna happen in my life. I'm gonna take responsibility. Now, sometimes when you're young in the Lord, it's difficult to take responsibility, but you always come to a point where God says, you've got to start taking responsibility. You can't buy into this idea that you are helpless. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not helpless. And the bad thing about it was what happens is a lot of times you know they did this experiment with dogs and um, and in this experiment what they did was they they would shock a dog and I know now again this is many years ago you'd never do that today you'd be you'd probably spend more time in prison than uh, robbery if you if you were caught shocking a dog but they did this they did this um, uh, experiment where they where they shocked the dog. And I'm not talking about 220 volts. We're talking about a shock like you would get if you rubbed your feet on the ground, then touched metal, you know, you get that kind of a shock. We're talking about that kind of a shock, but it's unpleasant. I mean, nobody likes to go up and touch something. and so they, so they did this experiment. And, and, and so the, the, the dog had the opportunity to escape the shock. They gave the dog, after a few shockings, they gave the dog the opportunity to escape the shock, but they found the dogs didn't escape the shock. And what they concluded from the experiment was that peop- that these dogs learned to be helpless. Everybody should say, oh, they learned to be helpless. In our culture today, we are, we are developing a culture where people, we're teaching people, we're, we're training them to be helpless. We're, explain, we're training them that they, are, that they are determined in a certain situation and they can't get out of it because of something that happened in their past or some situation that's going on today in their present that in some way that they are helpless and they can't do anything about their situation. But, you know, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, there's some things, of course, you can't change. You can't change your past. You can't change your mate. <laughs> there's some things you can't change. Isn't that true? I mean, you can influence them, but basically their, their decision is their decision whether or not they want to respond to your influence. But the, the point that I'm making, there's some things you cannot change. But the, the thing that you have the greatest control over is your own life. You can, you can I can't control all the negative things that happen to me. I can't control if somebody criticizes me. I can't control if somebody treats me bad. I can't control if somebody uh, contradicts what I say. I can't control everybody's actions, but what I can control is I can control what I do. I can control how I respond. I can control my response to the situation. I can control, and and by controlling my response and doing the right thing, I'm going to determine where my future is. My future is in my present. My future is tied to the things that I'm doing on a daily basis because I'm developing habits. And my habits, you know, like one guy says, you don't determine your future, you determine your habits, and your habits determine your future. Your habits will take you uh, where either you want to go or where you don't want to go. And that that, that has to do with not just your actions, but also, you know, like what you say and what you think because actions really start from... Start with a mental, uh, it's really a mental battle, thinking the right thoughts. You know, I was thinking about this, uh, and I'm jumping to the end of my sermon right now, which may be deadly, but there may be hope this might be a short sermon. But I'll probably back up and hit some of the other stuff. But, you know, there's a story in the Bible, uh, in uh, Ezekiel chapter 37, just turn there if you will, Ezekiel chapter 37, and it's a story of uh, the Valley of Dry Bones. We even have a song. We, we don't, maybe you haven't heard it. It goes, uh, them, dry, them bones, them bones, them. I may ever heard that. Them dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. So it's kind of a song too. But actually it's taken from this, this story here, found in Ezekiel chapter 37. And so it says, the prophet says, the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And so what he he says here, what he sees is he sees this valley full of dry bones, and later he'll tell you that this is the house of Israel. These are the people of God that have fallen and are in a... In a very dry situation and the situation that they, they were in has caused them to dry up and so it says they're in this dry valley and the, and, and, they're, and the bones are very dry and he said unto me son of man can these bones live and so I answered, oh Lord you know and again he said to me prophesy to these bones and say to them oh dry bones hear the word of the Lord so here's here's the situation is that it's if you were if you went to that valley and you looked at those dry bones and you looked at this because valleys are not good places when you think you know spiritually valleys are not good places. I mean sometimes we think about valleys as being lush uh, places and and rivers running through it but 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 spiritually speaking valleys are not good. You know we talk about having mountaintop experiences that's a good thing. We're, we're, we're experiencing the things of God and, and everything's going good and it's wonderful but valleys are bad really are bad places spiritually speaking it's almost like valleys are like the, the bottom of an ocean where there's not much light there and and the food is bad because you get the crumbs that fall from the carnage that is raging over your head and the crumbs that fall down there. that's what you eat and it's it's really kind of a in fact we want to insult somebody we call them a bottom feeder you're a you know, I, I hate that. I don't want to be crude, but scum-sucking bottom feeder, you know. It's almost like being a dumpster diver or something. I mean, it's not good. It's not a good situation that you're in. And so these people, what they did was they ended up in this valley. Now, I know something about valleys. They didn't get there because somebody threw them in the valley. Even if they were thrown there, you stay there by your choice. You stay there by your choice because... The way you end up in a valley is you get disconnected from sources of life. The way you get dry is you get disconnected from sources of life. The way you get, end up in a valley and you get very dry is because you end up disconnected from sources of life. In fact, if you look at verse 11, I didn't write this one down, but um, he, de- he describes what they thought. He said, they thought our bones are, this is what the people of Israel thought, our bones are dry. Our hope is over, and our, our, we, are disc, we are cut off. Those are the three things that they thought in verse 11. Our bones are dry, our hope is ended, and we are cut off. And so basically, it's the way they thought that put them in the valley. It's the way they thought that sent them into that condition. Because... Some people say, yeah, but you don't understand all the things that have happened to me in my life. It's horrible. I mean, my my dog died and and the cat moved in and I hate cats and and the car blew up and, and, uh, you know, the birds keep flying overhead and pooping on everything. And I mean, it's just this total, complete uh, disarray that's going on in my life. You don't know what's happened to me. But, you know, one day I used to think I was really going through it. And um, what was interesting is, look at another verse here. Turn over here to Philippians chapter four, talking about the apostle Paul. He goes, (coughs) in verse 11, he says, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content in any circumstances. I've learned to be content in any circumstance. I've experienced times of need and times of abundance. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of contentment. Whether I go satisfied or hungry, I have plenty or 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 nothing. And then verse 13, he goes. He says, "I can do all things through Christ, who strengthens me." So, so in other words, he's saying I can go through anything if I have if I because I have a whole of Christ and He strengthens me. And so, if you if if we're in a valley. It's because we have disconnected by an act of our will, by our choice. We have disconnected from the sor- our source of life. We've chosen to disconnect. And there's a disconnect somewhere. It's because if you look at the Apostle Paul, I mean, this guy, I remember, like I, th- I said one day, I, I thought, man, I, my life's, I'm really going through it. You know, there was probably somebody that criticized me or something. They said, he's a lousy preacher or, or something. I go, so I, I was probably in the corner somewhere, sucking my thumb, rocking back and forth, or not really. But it, but, but I was I was thinking, I'm really being persecuted. And then I was reading through Paul's description of his life, and I was shocked. He says in, in uh, uh, Second Corinthians, chapter 11, he, he talks about, yeah, I've had you know, I've had many bolts blown out from under me. I've been beaten with rods several times. I've been horsewhipped several times. I've been in prison. Cities have. Uh, rioted to trying to kill me. I had 40 Jews that vowed that they were going to not eat again until they killed me. And he just goes through this whole list. I'm thinking, and then he said, yeah, but in all these things, I'm not in the valley. I'm not in the valley. In all these things, I have a response. You, you know what the response is? Praise God. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us and gave himself for us. It's just like, what are you talking about? Who are you? He was just realizing that he, could take, he can take personal responsibility for his actions. He can't control how people respond to him, but he can control how he responds to what they do. You can, and there's always, I, I think that God always looks for a response in, in the situations that we're in. If we're in difficult situations, that's the greatest time to respond uh, positively to God. Because what happens is you' actually the roots of your life will go deeper into Christ. Your, your roots don't go deeper in times of in times of, of, of pleasantness. You know, they, I, I referred to this once, they did this uh, survey where they took t- plants and trees, and they put these plants and trees in a greenhouse. and they had the perfect environment for these plants and trees. and uh, and so, Uh, They had all the water they needed, all the the temperature was perfect. Everything was absolutely perfect for these trees. But they said after a while, after a few years, the trees would just fall over. In the the greenhouse, the trees would just fall over. And they're like, what what happened? They found out they didn't develop a root system. Because they didn't have any outward pressure. They had no wind against them. No wind blow they found out that people that trees need adversity for their root system to develop so if you're going through difficulty right now just say hey my root system's developing yeah. Just tell your neighbor that my root system is really you can't see it but it's really developing. So you're either tipping over or your or your root system is developing and see what we're this I, I don't know I'm, I'm a little bit Careful when I talk about this because I know that a lot of people feel differently. There's so many different opinions, but there's a total eternal truth here. But you know, sometimes we're trying to create a, a society or an environment where nobody's feelings get hurt. How many know what I mean? Nobody says anything that is absolutely offensive in any way. Now, I don't like to listen to offensive stuff. You know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not like, hey, this is great. I mean, there are people that believe totally opposite of me. And I've sat and listened to them. I just like, I mean, I just basically had pain everywhere, you know. Just like, oh, man, this hurts. This hurts Sit here to listen to this. this I've never, you know, it's like no matter how you slice it, baloney is baloney. You know, that, <laughs> th- that's kind of how I. You know, I, you sit there and you think about that. But when you try to create an environment where everything is perfect, where there is no ripples, there's no adversity, there's no contrary winds. Everything's wonderful. What happens is you you create people that have no roots. They have no root system. They can't withstand anything negative. They can't withstand any adversity. And they just become weak. How many can see what I'm saying? And sometimes we do that with our kids. You know, we're the helicopter parents. You know what that is? We're always... And, and, you know, you, you have to make a decision at some point. Do you want your kids safe or do you want them strong? I thought that would go over big. I mean, I think it can be both, but, but you have to decide. It can't just be, I just want them safe. You know, I heard this story about this guy who was a, he was a pastor. He's a great leader. And um, he said that when he was 16, get this, he was 16, his dad let him go Take a boat, not a little boat, but a sailboat and sail across the ocean. He was 16. I'm going, that guy's dad needed to be taken out in the woods and tied to a tree and prayed for all night. (laughs) I mean, come on! But you know, maybe he he was just a very responsible kid, but he but he developed uh, he developed this adventure, and he was a great leader, and he knew how to improvise and he knew how to overcome difficulty. And he knew how to accept challenges and and overcome them. and And that's what God wants for every one of our lives. He wants us to accept challenges and overcome them Amen. and not succumb to to the weaknesses of other people and be reactionary type people that go through life going everybody's picking on me because how many know this is true there's a lot of bullies in life you know when i was a kid my 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 sister was a year and a half older than me and and so we would and see this is back then when you when you you get up in the morning have breakfast then you'd leave and you wouldn't come back till lunch your mom didn't know where you were Nobody knew where you were. You know, you don't even know where you, I mean, that's, and then then you'd eat, then you'd go out again. I'm not suggesting you do this, by the way, but, but then you'd come back. But so we would all walk to school together. Um, my, My sister, she was a year and a half older than me. So we'd walk to school together. Well, she had this guy that liked her. And so, and so the way he appealed to my sister was to beat up on me. I don't know why he thought that. Maybe because my sister was mad at me or something or whatever. But So he would pick on me. You know, he's two years older than me. And, and so I'm sitting there getting picked on every day on the way to school, on the way back to school. And uh, I don't know where my mom and dad were. They should have come to my rescue. They didn't come. But uh, anyway, so, so one day I had a really bad day at school. And so I come out of school and I, had, I was just all jacked up. And so this guy starts picking on me. So I just lit into him. I mean, I just, and it didn't, I mean, I started to win for about 30 seconds. And then it went south real fast. And, and so he, he got me in some kind of hold, and I'm going, uncle, you know, I'm, uncle didn't mean I'm calling for my uncle, it means I give up. Do we use that word anymore for giving up, uncle? We used to use it anyway. So, so, so then, but here's the interesting thing about it. He never picked on me ever again. I fought back. He never picked them in. And see, there's a lot of bullies in life, and you've got to have enough tenacity to stand up for yourself and not allow the world and everybody just to run you over and then to Christianize it and just say, well, I'm being, I'm being Christians. I'm, I'm exhibiting no backbone. You've got to have a backbone, a little bit of a backbone. How many know that's true? And stand up for what's right. God wants us to stand up. Because if we accept victimhood as an identity, what happens is we just secede or we give up the future and, and we're, we're losing our future because we're accepting this idea of victimhood. You know, years ago, I read this book. It's like 25 years ago. And um, I've talked about it, not recently, but um, it, it was entitled America, A Nation of Victims. And he was lamenting, he was not a Christian Christian guy, he was, a, he was a newspaper reporter. And he was lamenting the fact that America is accepting this new philosophy or this new idea called victimhood. And he says, you can tell by the court cases that we're accepting this. And he said, and then he listed some court cases, I thought they were hilarious. Uh, the one guy that was suing McDonald's because um, the he couldn't, he was sort of heavy and he couldn't fit in the benches anymore. So he's suing McDonald's because they were victimizing him, telling him that he was overweight by putting the chairs too close to the tables. And that's a legitimate, that's a legitimate court case. And then he had a whole list of court cases, a whole chapter of court cases that are ridiculous. Instead of, and so the idea is there, my past or the, the world out there is, is a, a, a victimizing me and I'm this helpless victim. I'm being bullied by all the circumstances. And I'm telling you this right now that God does not want you to view life that way. We go back to this as I close my sermon. Are you guys getting anything out of this? And so there there is a response that we can have in every situation. See, when the Bible says to give thanks in every situation, that means situations that you're going through that are, in a sense, victimizing you, victimizing you. He says to give thanks in every situation. And we use this example a lot of the Apostle Paul and, and uh, Silas. It says that they, they were called by God to go to this city to preach the gospel, and they were arrested, and they were thrown in prison, and they, and they said they had their, stock, their hands and feet in stocks and bonds, and they were chained in this prison. And it says at midnight, at midnight, everybody say at midnight. How many know that midnight's the darkest time? At midnight, how many know that they could have sat there and said, they could have said, Silas, you awake. Paul could have said, Silas, you awake. Yeah, I'm awake. Do you believe what happened to us? I can't believe it. Where's God? I don't know where he is. How could God let this happen to us? I don't know. Then people hit me really hard. It really hurt. I know. I mean, I... I'm gonna send a letter to my mommy. I mean, I, I mean, you, you could just imagine how this could have, this whole scenario could have turned out differently than it did turn out. And if it would have gone another way, it would have had another out, a different outcome. And I'm telling you this right now that Paul wasn't. This wasn't like Paul lived his life just sort of complaining, mumbling, bumbling through life. Then all of a sudden he shined in this moment. This was a habit he had. How many would agree with that? This was a habit he had. Here's what I do in every situation. I know what to do in every situation. I know to rise to the occasion in every situation. I know how in every situation to take responsibility for my actions. And so he, is, he went through life that way. He went through life with the, with, when the challenge was there. He rose to the occasion. Because I think that God holds us in a place of safety until he sees that we can... Handle a situation. So if you're going through a situation right now, God thinks you can handle it. And God thinks that you can respond positively in that situation. And so when Paul at midnight, I don't know who came up with the idea. Maybe they both had the idea. I don't know. What do you think we ought to do? I think we ought to start praying. I think we ought to start praising God. How many know that 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 is acting independent of the circumstances? That is not being reactive. That's being proactive. That's responding to a higher law. That's responding to a higher principle. That's responding to something that was higher than, than, than what he was looking at at the present. And he started praising. They started singing and praising God. And the Bible says there was a great earthquake, and everyone's chains were, were loosened, and everybody came through. You see, when you go back to this valley of dry bones, it's very interesting that. When you think about a, a dry bone, first of all, these dry bones became the, the product of their environment. They became the product of their environment. When the prophet walked through the, all those dry bones, the Lord said, can these bones live? I think, he, I think in the natural, he would have said, there is no way this, these bones can live. This is hopeless. But he, he was talking to God And how many know that nothing's impossible with God? With God, it's possible. But he didn't want to, I think he was expressing his struggle. He goes, Lord, only you know. And God said, I don't want you to talk about how dry these bones are. I want you to speak to these bones. I want you to prophesy these bones. I want you to speak right to these bones. I want you to tell these bones to hear the word of the Lord. I want you to tell these bones that they're going to live. I want you to tell these bones that life is going to come into them. I want you to tell these bones there's a purpose for their lives. I want you to speak to these bones that they're not going to stay in this situation any longer. And so it says, I, I love this story because it says, that as he spoke God's word, it says, all of a sudden it says there was a noise. I mean, when you, when you walk through a valley of dry bones, just think about how a, a how a how these bones got into that condition. First of all, you're walking along, so if, if you were there, you're walking along, you have to die. Okay? And then when you die, the flies know you died. I don't know why that is, but flies know when anything dies. And so they come. And so what they do is they plant their eggs in your dead carcass. And then it t- says the maggots come. I'm talking about how a dry bone got to be a dry bone. It didn't get to be a dry bone overnight. It didn't go like you fell dead and you became a dry bone. It was a process. If you, if you, were, if you, were, if you say my life is like a dry bone, if you're a dry bone here this morning, it, it didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen because somebody made one comment to you. It was a process. You disconnected from life. You got into difficult situations and you just kept complaining. You got in difficult situations and then you escaped through something. You used something as an escape to that difficult situation. The David said in the Psalms, you are my hiding place. When David got into difficult situations, he made God his refuge, God his hiding place but you made something else your hiding place. You may, and so what happened was the flies came. You know, Satan is called Lord of the Flies. The flies came and started laying eggs in your carcass. And then the predators came, and started eating your flesh. And then the birds came and picked, you, picked your bones dry. And then the sun bleached you. <laughs> and then the weather, the cold, cold worked on you, and the hot worked on you, and the, uh, Everything until finally, because these bones weren't just dry. They were very dry. They've been here a long time. Now, you don't ever want to get to this state, but there's still hope. Even if you get to this state, there's still hope for your life. There's hope for your life. There's hope for everybody's life. No one is a hopeless case. And so what happened was, because there's nothing stronger There's nothing stronger than the word of the Lord. Because the word of the Lord brought this whole universe into existence. There's nothing stronger than the word of the Lord. And so he said to these bones, bones, hear the word of the Lord. You're going to live. Turn to your neighbor and say, live. You're going to live. You're not going to stay in this situation any longer. You're not going to stay here. It's not permanent. It's just temporary. It's not permanent. If you hear the word of the Lord, hope will come. When we start hearing the word of the Lord, hope comes. With the word of the Lord comes hope. And so think about this. There's no no movement in this valley. And all of a sudden, when when the word of the Lord came forth, the very first thing it says is there was a noise. Someone goes, a noise? What's a noise? A noise is a good thing. You know what it always means? Something's happening. You look at your husband, he's reading his Bible. You go, something's happening. You look at your husband, he's starting to say, honey, you look beautiful today. Something's happening. This dry bone is coming to life. Right? Honey, you're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my entire life. Thank you. That might have been a little flattery, but thank you very much something's happening, a noise. It may just be, it's not a sermon, it's a noise. But something is starting to happen. Then the next thing it says there was a rattling. All of a sudden these bones are starting to rattle. They're, they're responding, something's happening. The word of the Lord is starting to work on them. And sometimes when situations in our lives changes, it, it, it's, it's awkward at first. Things are are unsettling because Life is starting to come into the situation. Life is starting to come into our lives. And so it's awkward at first, but, but something's happening. Something's happening. And then it says the bones came together. See, I think what's happening is this is the reverse of the way the death process occurred. See, when it says the bones came together, at some point the bones came apart. At some point, you separate yourself from, from the, your source of life. You separate yourself. And so in this case, the bones came together. And then flesh and sinews came upon them. And then, but there was no breath in them. And then he prophesied again and said, Breath, come upon, and breathe upon these that were slain. And they stood up upon the, upon the ground. A mighty army. So in other words, what happens is God works this incredible salvation, deliverance in your life for a reason, so that you could stand on your feet and be an incredible army. Let's all stand together on our feet. God, I think God is waiting for our response. Salvation is God's work. But then there's a work of God that he wants to do in the earth. But he needs our cooperation. You know, there's two verses I was going to read where it talks about how they limited God. One's in Psalm 78. How it says they provoked him in the wilderness, talking about the children of Israel, who grieved him. They turned back, tempted God. They limited. Now, we know that God can't be limited. He's all-powerful, all-knowing. God never goes, oh, I didn't think of that. Never thought of that because he's all-knowing. He's everywhere present at all times. So he's, he's limitless, but it says here that they limit him. You know, we can limit God what he wants to do in our lives by not responding to him. We can limit what God wants to do in our lives by being hopeless. Some people say, well, I can't help it. Come on, you can too help it. You know, it's interesting, there's another story in 2 Kings where the prophet was dying, Elisha, and the king came to see him, and Elisha told the king to grab some arrows and strike the ground. How many remember that story? And so the king... Struck the ground three times. Boom, boom, boom. And Elijah said, why did you just strike it three times? He was mad. Why didn't you strike the ground five or six times? If you would have struck it five or six times, you would have totally subdued your enemy. Now you're just going to win three battles. He said, you limited God because you were timid. You played it safe. You didn't take your life in your own hand. You didn't risk. You played it safe. You settled. You reclined instead of inclined. You played it safe, and your future hangs in the balance because you were timid. You know, it says, the Bible says, God didn't give us the spirit of fear. That word fear is timidity. We sometimes think timidity is humility, not when it comes to the things of God. When it comes to the things of God, you have to be aggressive. You've got to be aggressive in worship. You've got to be aggressive in prayer. You have to be aggressive around the things of God. Otherwise, there's no breakthrough. If you're passive, there's no breakthrough. If you recline, there's no breakthrough. Breakthrough doesn't come to people that are reclined. You just say, well, someday I'm going to do it. Someday I'll, I'll pray. Someday I'll read my Bible. Someday I'm going to commit my life to Christ. Someday. Breakthrough doesn't come to those people. Breakthrough comes to people that are inclined. I incline my heart. I reach out. You know, it's interesting when in many of the healing ministries of Jesus, like the man with the withered hand, he said, stretch out your hand. There was no movement. There was no healing until he he stretched it. The miracle was in the stretching. The miracles in the stretching. The breakthrough is in the stretching. The breakthrough comes to those that stretch. Right. See, that valley of dry bones, it says it was full of bones. That is a common place for people that are declined or reclined. They end up in... Because that valley was full of dead bones. Full. But there's not too many... Let's say, I'm not, I'm not, this is not the way it's going. My future is not gonna be like this. My, I'm, doing, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do something in the present, to change my future. I'm gonna do something right now to change my future. I'm gonna set my hand to the plow and I'm not looking back. This is my day, this is my hour. This is the time that I press in and I, I take hold of the kingdom. The Bible says the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. He's not talking about physical violence. He's talking about having a a spiritual tenacity about you that I'm not quitting. I mean, if I was Paul, I would have quit. But Paul goes, I know this looks bleak, but I'm going to praise God right now. That's the violence of life. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to incline my heart. I'm reaching out. There's a breakthrough there for me. There's something there for me. I'm not going to settle in my old age. I'm not going to settle in this situation. I'm not dying in this dry valley. I'm not going to be a statistic. Sorry for yelling, but the urge of excitement just hit me right there. Amen? Let's close our eyes just for a minute. How many, how many do not want to be a dead, a dry bone in a, in a dry valley? Can I see your hand? So the rest of you want to be a dry bone and a dry God, we we just need to stir ourselves up, don't we? How many are a little bit stirred this morning? Maybe if I preach a few more minutes, you get really stirred, huh? There's a Goliath out there. But there are some bears and some lions you got to kill first right now, right? But it prepares you. See, so you'll never meet a Goliath if you don't kill a lion and a bear. Some of us got some lions and bears we got to kill, if you know what I mean. And it takes just a, it takes tenacity. It takes taking your life. I took my life in my hands. But then he says, I didn't forget your law. So in other words, he didn't just do it indiscriminately. He goes, I, I held to your word. This is what your word says. Can you lift your hands one more time? Just Lord No, I don't say it. just Just right now just cry out to God. Just say God I don't want to be a dry bone. And I don't want to live in a dry valley. I want to hear the word of the Lord. I want to hear the word of the Lord. God's word to you is life. Let's sing this song together.
2: Show me one thing He can't do. Show me a mountain He can't move. He is the God of the breakthrough, and anything is possible. Show. Boss, a little bit this morning. It's all good. And there is no way come on that has ever left a mark on you. And there is no army with the power to One thing that's too hard. Show me what he can't part. He's the God of the breakthrough. Anything is possible. Is possible. Hey, and there is a kingdom that's advancing at the speed of light and in his kingdom come on every dead thing is bound to rise oh god our redeemer he is he is faithful to revive oh he will heart, show me what He can't part, He's the God of the breakthrough, and anything is possible, is possible, oh, in all of my fear I will turn into praise, shake off despair as I sing out your name. A victory dance, I will dance out in fit. I will crush disappointment and break every chain. All of my fear, I will turn into praise, shake off despair as I sing out your name. A victory dance, I will dance out in faith. I will crush disappointment, break every chain. All of my fear, I will turn into praise, shake off despair. As a victory dance I will... off despair as, as I sing out your name. A victory dance I will dance out in faith. I will crush disappointment. Come on, even if it's just one foot this morning, defeat. dance it out. All of my fear I will turn into praise. Shake off despair as I sing Shake it off. A victory dance I will dance out in faith. I will crush disappointment. Oh, oh all of my oh, fear I will can't do and show me a mountain he can't move he's look. the god of the breakthrough anything is possible and show me one thing that's too hard show me waters he can't part he's the god of the breakthrough anything is possible It's
1: possible. Praise God. Let's give God a good hand clap. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus. Praise God. Somebody says, why do you clap your hands in church? Why don't you? Bible says, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God. You should shout in church, too. You should shout at home. Not yelling at each other. Amen. Praise God. We're going to let the prayer counselors come forward. Those that are prayer counselors, you want to please come forward at this time. We're going to give you the opportunity to be prayed for if you'd like. And um, we do have some fellowship. I think we have some snacks out there for you to partake and join us for fellowship. But as soon as I dismiss, please come forward if you need prayer and allow these people to pray for you. Praise God. Isn't God good? So it's, um, it's breakthrough time for you. Turn your neighbor and say it's breakthrough time for you. Praise God. So please join us for some fellowship. Lord, bless your people today. God, give them abundant grace for every challenge that they're facing right now, Lord. I pray that you give them hopeful thoughts, hopeful thoughts, a hopeful mindset. I thank you for it, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that we're coming out of that valley. Hallelujah. We're hearing the word of the Lord and we're coming out. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, thank you. Amen. All right, guys. You need prayer please come forward God bless you you're free to go